I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. What a stop! Chance for Ben! Oh! Jordan Ben! Yes! Jordan Ben! I mean, that sort of stuff, we're, it, it's been... We're, be, we're bigger than that. That interview was just like the performance, flat. No. Well, I mean, what do you want him to do? Just fall at Gabriel's feet crying? I mean, well, he's... Say something. We, we were doing what we'd done for 20 years, relaxing a nervous studio guest in the same way that you would in, in these conditions, um, and thought no more of it. Fire it up, fire it up, when we finally turn it over, make... How's it going? Welcome along to the Friday Football Podcast. Nathan Murphy and Dave McIntyre with you this week. Dave, how's things? How is it going, Mr. Murphy? Yeah, very well. It's uh, just the two of us... <laughs> Uh, what a start! What? what? <laughs> it's, it's all downhill from there. Uh, <laughs> or it can really only get better. Jerry Gilroy might join us at, at some stage over the next little while. Uh, busy weekend ahead, particularly for the two of us, and a good weekend ahead because we got a, a double header on off the ball on Sunday. Coming on air at the earlier time of midday. Yeah. You'll have to skip mass. Well, for or just just leave after communion. The usual. <laughs> Stand on the back, leave after communion. Exactly. You can sit anywhere you want, up and up to and including communion. And then as you're walking back down the, through the aisle, just walk out the back door. I haven't been in a while, but I think Mass is a lot quicker now. So if Mass is at oh, half is 11, it? you could definitely yeah, I be... I haven't been, aside from Christmas, I have to admit, I haven't... Uh, hopefully my mother isn't listening to this particular podcast. I haven't been in quite some time. I, I suspect your mother might know... Well, you're working, you see, exactly. and the Lord knows. You're well, providing always, a service for the people of Ireland. There was always more than one priest in each parish, and one was always quicker than the other. So you would make a concerted effort to be it at the Mass, which you knew was going to be quicker. So there's no excuse for people listening to this pod not to be back in their cars by midday when United kick off against Everton. And this is a game that quite genuinely could be 5 all. <laughs> Yeah, so that's uh, yourself and Stephen Reid yeah. at Old Trafford, and then I'm going to be at Stamford Bridge, uh, one of my three favourite grounds, alongside the Etihad, the Emirates, and Stamford Bridge. All these clubs, Arsenal, City, and Chelsea, are investing their money wisely in the food for the journalists. And in the overall media facilities. The overall media facilities yes. are, are second to none. I, I think City is City's probably number one, because there's a free bar afterwards at City. Yeah. But do you use the free bar? No, well, last week, uh, <laughs> the last time I was there, which was, what, two weeks ago for City Chelsea, uh, I did steal a can of some sort of British ale, stuck it in my pocket, nice. uh, classy guy that I am, uh, for the trip for the train trip to the airport. So you were knacker drinking, basically. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> while on work duty, while leaving the Etihad Stadium. Uh, yeah. Right. Like, my, okay. my wife is actually getting pretty upset when I send her some of the pictures from... Uh, from the canteens, the media lounge, as they call it, because like I'm trying to lose some weight. I'm being pretty good for like six days of the week, but then I arrive at these grounds. It's like Christmas morning. I just cannot stop. It's like, you've got a choice of eight different desserts. Yeah, I know. Well, look, just have one, you porker. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I do. The food is one. great at the Elliott Stadium. The, there's loads of room in the commentary position. Old Trafford, surprisingly enough, is one of my least favourite. Premier League grounds because the media lounge is tiny. Yeah. Um, there is very little, there is no dessert. And <laughs> there is no dessert. You need, to be, uh, you need to be five foot three to sit comfortably in your seat. 
Stephen Reid got to love him is 6 1. <laughs> he's, he struggles whenever he's at Old Trafford. Thankfully, I would be a smaller guy myself. But um, there's probably no better place to watch football at the moment than Old Trafford. Yeah. I mean, they're the most exciting team in the Premier League right now for all the, a whole different variety of reasons. What's, what's their defence going to be on, on Sunday? God well, knows. it doesn't look like anybody will be back. From the in terms of the guys who were missing last weekend, so it's likely to be the same back four that stood up pretty well. I thought to West Ham in the end because it was an onslaught. I mean, it said more about United's attacking um, threat that West Ham were able to get so much of the ball in that last half an hour, forty minutes. And I thought the defence stood up pretty well. Rojo and Paddy McNair never played together before. I don't know how much time they had together in training that week, and they actually did stand up pretty well. It wasn't like the goal was being peppered; they were under real pressure. But apart from the Nolan offside. It wasn't like the goal was being peppered and they were getting no protection from midfield. And between them, Rojo and McNair dealt with their situation pretty well. Is They've got Romelu Lukaku to deal with this weekend, hmm. though, and that might be a different kettle of fish. Yeah, and I wonder will Martinez go with his usual ploy against the bigger teams of playing Lukaku out on the right, uh, particularly to expose United's defence. But is there any sign at all, what are we, six games into the season of a Louis van Gaal master plan? That he has any idea of how he wants this team to set up? Is there any level of consistency at all? Or is that possible when you're missing it's not possible. so many players through injury? Like, yeah, you could say, look, where I'm getting him. There is a philosophy in place, and the philosophy works around the personnel that are available. But you're only in six games into the new season under a new management setup. And it's not like Paddy McNair, for example, was training through this philosophy all through pre season. So he's completely thrown into the mix. And every time Louis van Gaal probably thinks, you know, well, I've got something in place, we worked on something in training, they play a game, and then at least one of the two central defenders will not be playing the next day. So how many guys has he had at the heart of the defence so far this season? They've only played six matches. Jones, Evans, Smalling, Tyler Blackett, and Paddy McNair, and Rocco. That's six guys in six games. And in only two of the six games has he had the same partnership in successive weeks. So it's virtually impossible to put a blueprint in place to have the team defending as you would like collectively and now it starts further out the field as well well that's I mean, the other problem they lose the ball too easily they're probably going to let in goals no matter even if they have their first choice back four there exactly they're like going to let in goals the way they're set up if you a 28-year-old Vidic and 29-year-old Rio Ferdinand at their peak around 2008 at the heart of this United defence it would improve things but when there's nothing coming from in front of them, when, for example, I'm thinking of the goal where Mata was just pushed over for the fourth Leicester goal, was it? The first of the two penalties, perhaps? Yeah. When Blackett ended up getting a red card. And that was just so easy. And once the ball was lost, it was like Arsenal at Stamford Bridge last season, 50 metres of open space for the opposition to counter-attack into. And it, what can a back four do in that situation? Now, Blackett defended the ball over the top terribly at the time. But they do need more from Daly Blind. They need Di Maria, Mata, Rooney, all those guys to work far harder to get in goal side positions far more quickly. But I have to hand it to the United Fence because I thought McNair was excellent last weekend. I thought Rojo was much improved from his shambolic performance at left back against Leicester at the King Power Stadium. So there's definite improvements, but they can still could have conceded three or four. And the emergence of McNair and Blackett over the opening weeks has another benefit, which is it puts a bit of pressure on Evans, Smalling and Jones, which can be no bad thing because, well, particularly Smalling and Jones look to be resting on some sort of laurels. The laurels being that everyone has tipped them for four years mm. as being England's centre-back partnership, that if there is a couple of younger guys than them even coming in, that maybe there is a bit of pressure. Maybe they do step up to the mark when they get over their injuries eventually, if that ever happens. Well, I wonder what, this, what is the dynamic with Smalling, Jones and 
Evans, because it's a manager's brief is to get the best out of the players that you have available. And so an awful lot of the blame has to go on Alex Ferguson because he paid big money for Jones and Smalling. Evans came through the academy, but he has not got an investment or return on that investment, particularly with Jones and Smalling. Injuries have played a part, I grant you that. But they have not improved as central defenders and they're now heading towards their mid-twenties. Yeah. The potential is not a word you can attach to Phil Jones or Chris Smalling anymore. They should be at the peak of their powers now, approaching their best years with four or five years of solid Premier League performances behind them. They don't have that. Like I say, they've been injured a lot, but there are no way are they better players now than they first arrived at Old Trafford. Yeah, and you mentioned Rocco there, how he took maybe McNair under his wing and made McNair feel comfortable. Whereas when Blackett came in and he was alongside Smalling and Jones <laughs> Blackett almost looked like the senior player of the three yeah well it's uh, we, you weren't on last week's pod with us no you weren't it was myself and Jer and it was Ryder Cup week and Gallagher and Poulter had just been hammered in the morning <laughs> foursomes and four balls and I'd said it was like um, Johnny Evans and Tyler Blackett playing together it was like Stephen Gallagher to Scott in front of his home crowd first Ryder Cup on a real pressure and who's alongside him? A guy that cannot hit the ball straight, hasn't played well in months, and really should not be the guy guiding the rookie through yeah, this yeah. four ball. And Good you, analogy. And I felt it was so unfortunate for Tyler Blackett, because he needed a 28-year-old Vidic beside him. Yeah. Put his arm around him, do some of the dirt, dirty work. Who's he got? He's got the calamitous Johnny <laughs> Evans, who can't pass the ball back to his goalkeeper without setting up a scoring opportunity for the opposition. But look, we haven't mentioned their attacking prowess. Yeah. They are scintillating going forward. I saw Gary Neville the week after Di Maria had arrived and then Falca had arrived after him. And it was the QPR match. Now QPR, you have to qualify. They were awful that day. Everybody seemed faster. The team was devoid of pace. It wasn't devoid of quick players. I mean, last season they still had Ashley Young. They still had Nani. They still had um, Yanazai. Um, guys who were quick. Yeah. But nobody seemed to be able to attack at any great speed. And in the game against Burnley, it all seemed so blunt. Then you put these boys into the team and suddenly Angle Di Maria seems to engender a speed and thought in everybody. Herrera was amazing that day. Everything happens quicker. The ball has moved quicker. Guys are moving into position quicker. It's not all about out-and-out speed. Even Mata looked quick. And it just makes a huge difference. And they could, I think they can score two or three goals against even the best teams in the Premier League now. Yeah, the quality of players they have, what looks unexpected to us, when Falcao does something unexpected, for Robin Van Persie waiting in the area, it's probably not that unexpected. Mm. He's seen it all before. So they just all raised to a similar level. Rooney is suspended uh, until November. Which probably so, makes life well, a Well, Matt bit presumably will just slip straight into that Matt position. Matt comes back in, and Falcao and Van Persie are training all this week now, knowing that they start. Yeah. And they're going to be starting next week, and they're going to be starting the, next, the week after that. And I think that'll make a massive difference. The cross for Falcao for Van Persie at the far post for United's opening goal against Leicester City was as good a piece of yeah. creative play as I've seen in a long, long time. And... Van Persie, the manner in which he took United's second goal last weekend against West Ham. That was the finish on his weaker foot from the Van Persie of two years ago. That all bodes extremely well. a bit of confidence. Well. He could have passed to Rooney, decided yeah. to take it on himself. How does that work with Wayne Rooney, I wonder? He's, he's not going to play again until November. So he's going to earn around... A million point, pounds. Over a million pounds. Does he still just pick up those wages? Well, he does. He hasn't like brought the club into disrepute. There are no grounds for which he can be fined. It's just a red card for a stupid yeah, challenge. They signed the contract, I guess. Exactly. Um, look, it's he shouldn't get back into the team when he does come back, but he will. 
Uh, Everton were in Europa League action last night. They were over in Russia playing uh, Krasnodar. Yeah. Uh, all three of the impressive young managers of last season, Pochettino, Martinez and Rodgers, are all struggling so far. And Everton, Seamus Coleman's not going to make it. James McCarthy's not going to make it. There's no sign whatsoever of an improvement on last season from Everton. And this is maybe the sort of game that properly kickstarts United season because heading in, what are we at? There's six games in. I think a lot of people would have thought United might have 16 points now, you know, double what they actually have. Yeah. And that this will be the start of the difficult period for them. They go to Chelsea in a couple of weeks. They've got City as well coming up. But looking at the way United are playing going forward, the struggles Everton are having at the back, at home at Old Trafford, Everton just coming back from Russia. This is set up to be a match that will properly kickstart United on for the next few weeks. Yeah, like there's a couple of ways of looking at it. They've got a seriously difficult run, obviously. I think they play West Bromwich Albion the weekend after the international window. But after that, as you said, it gets very tough because they're finally starting to meet some of last year's season's top four. There's only two points separating Everton and United, yet Everton are all the way down in 15th and United are 7th. Yeah. Despite the really poor start of the season, United are only two points off the Champions League places. Had they beaten Leicester, what, how many minutes were on the clock when United were 3-1 up? 72, was it? 73? They'd be on 11 points. They'd be five points off the top of the table. Everything would look very rosy. That defeat to Leicester is a killer for them. Everton will take an awful lot from the last-ditch point they snatched at Anfield in the Merseyside yeah. Derby a much changed team went all halfway across the world and took a point against Krasnodar last night so I think Everton maybe their confidence will be a little bit better and they will know and Martinez will know that United are there for the taking at the back so I don't think Everton will fear this game at all um, I don't know what sort of an impact the mid- midday kickoff will have if at all but if United win this game Everton are in serious trouble yeah. real dire trouble they're going to be closer to the bottom than they are the top and could be in the relegation zone. They could the well weekend. be in the releg- relegation zone. They've had a tough run as well. What they played Arsenal, they played Chelsea, they played Liverpool. Yeah, I mean that, and they've had to go to Leicester, who have taken points off pretty much everyone they've played. Um, so it has been a really awkward opening for Everton, but they're in they're in a real spot of bother, and they're struggling to score goals. So that's the midday kickoff. We are on air at the earlier time to bring you full commentary of that with Dave and Stephen Reid. Then five past two at Stamford Bridge. Uh, the downside of Stafford Bridge is you have to go right up to the top of the gantry after you've had your big three-course meal. Uh, but it's well worth it. <laughs> Chelsea against Arsenal. This was probably the low point of Arsene Wenger's career this match last season. Chelsea winning 6-0. We had that mix-up with Gibbs and Oxlade-Chamberlain yeah. and the red card. Chelsea, top of the league, 16 points from six games, have done everything that's been asked of them. I was looking yesterday... The consistency in his team selection is incredible. Nine of the Chelsea team have started every single match so far. Two of the Arsenal team have started their matches so far. Chesney and Ramsey, who's going to be missing on Sunday. As well as that, you look at the City's, or Chelsea's maybe defensive six of Courtois, Ivanovic, Azpilicueta, Cahill, Terry, Matic. Every single one of them has played every minute of every league game so far. That is the base Diego Costa to score the goals and if that attacking three of Hazard Oscar William Shirley whichever three it is if they start a click Chelsea are just going to yeah. get better and better and you haven't even mentioned like probably the most Fabregas. impressive and performer all season is Tess Fabregas I think Shirla and Hazard are playing extremely well and they're getting none of the credit because it's all going to Fabregas and Diego Costa the two new guys the two new faces at Stamford Bridge now you're absolutely right the template has been set by Jose Mourinho he has been very lucky 
compared the injury situation at the Emirates and at Old Trafford to that at Stamford Bridge. Now, look, these things tend to even themselves out over the, the season or a number of seasons, but he's been able to play the same back four every weekend and Diego Costa and Fabregas have both been fit and available to play. And they have clicked and they're playing extremely well. They're solid at the back. Though at times, you do sense a real vulnerability about them. Not against Arsenal, I suspect, though. Yeah. Have we learned anything about Arsenal? Learned any, anything new about Arsenal this season? Maybe Danny Welbeck can score... 20 league goals this season if he continues the form he showed in midweek but the same failings are there the injury problems the excuses mm. the lack of a defensive midfielder with Wilshire's just coming back from fitness Ramsey's going to be missing they could well start with Mika well is Arteta out as well Arteta's out as well Arteta's out as well so Flamini that will be anchoring I'm using uh, quotation marks here it'll be he, he that it'll be anchoring that midfield at the base of that diamond we'd Stuart Robson and off the ball last night on Thursday night show and he said he has seen absolutely no improvement in that regard that as offensively he thinks they're as good as they ever have been but at the back he can't see any reason why some of the situations which arose at Sanford Bridge at Anfield last season won't manifest themselves again this weekend or this Sunday because they brought, haven't brought anybody in it's the same guys yeah. and it's a weaker defence and that is a pretty um, unfortunate recipe to be going with to Sanford Bridge Yeah if there's a team set up as well to take Arsenal apart it is Chelsea with that gap that Arsenal have usually between defensive midfield, mm. if they have Hazard, Fabregas playing a bit further forward, William Shurla. You could see Chelsea winning this quite convincingly again. Though, Arsenal, you look at that performance, the way they came back against City, that 20-minute spell where they, they, they always just seem to do enough. Every time you think this team is in crisis, they just manage to pull it back. But see, what, what is enough though? Enough is finishing fourth. Yeah. Like, at what stage do they put the right building blocks in place to win a championship? And when will that happen? Well, this... I was reading an article about this during the week about Wenger and, actually, who replaces Arsene Wenger? How can anyone replace Arsene Wenger? Well, Arsene Wenger is finishing pretty low from... Arsenal are always going to finish between first and fifth. Mm. And they're always finishing third or fourth. So... If you bring in another manager with ambitions, someone who's not just happy to finish... You always get the sense from Wenger he's happy to finish fourth. Yeah. He doesn't... He's lost his drive. He he was once a winner. Yeah. He's not that anymore. Specialist in failure. As Jose Mourinho might say. Like, Wenger's always leaned on the whole stadium debt situation and the owners are very happy and we want to run the club in the right way. And there are arguments to be made for that and... Arsenal are an extremely well-run club. They're not de- sav- savage with the debt that, say, Manchester United are, for example. But at the same time, at when do you begin to make progress? They're, it's it's like watching a mid-table team every season. But is you that... know they won't go up and they won't go down, they won't challenge for Europe. And I remember this game last season, and everybody was talking about this at the time. Arsenal were still in the shape-up yeah. for the title. This is the game that Arsenal can show what they're made of prove to everybody that they actually are genuine title contenders because in November they were ahead at the top of the table by four points after the clinical well, They spent more time on Liverpool. top of the league last season than everyone else put together. Exactly. So we thought now is, this is the litmus test for Arsenal and they get destroyed and four of the six goals are virtually identical. But when you look at their starting 11 and if everyone is fit it is a team capable of winning the league. As it got to the case it's not just off the field and saving money it's actually Wenger's coaching that he's not getting the best out of these players that he's not getting the best out of Ozil out of Sanchez perhaps he will get the best out of 
out of Welbeck. Perhaps it's Wenger's fault that Jack Wilshire hasn't progressed the way we all expected him to. Yeah. Well, look, look at the great Barcelona team. Aside from Sergio, Bus- Sergio Busquets, who were who was the wrecking ball in that team? Not, I'm not talking about the back four. Once you move outside of the back five, so Valdez in the back four side, who was the wrecking ball on that side, apart from Busquets? There was nobody. You had Pedro, you had Iniesta, Xavi, David Villa, Lionel Messi, all guys you wouldn't really trust in a 50-50 tackle to win the ball back. Yet they seem to win the ball back at will. Because they press so high and put on so much pressure. And they work so hard. So when they lose the ball, they're not so vulnerable the way Arsenal are. If you look down the flanks, if, for example, Kieran Gibbs goes forward this, forward this weekend and, and attack down the right-hand side, yeah. and Gibbs is looking to back up the attack on the left, and then the ball breaks, suddenly both full-backs are midway inside the Chelsea half of the field. And there is nobody, not even the greatest defensive midfielder himself, Roy Keane or Claude Michelelli, wouldn't be able to salvage that situation because you're overrun. Almost like watching Donegal play Gaelic football, you're completely overrun. And that is all down to the coaching. It's not necessarily the personnel. I don't think he's got the right personnel in place to be able to be defensively sound. But it is a situation where Ozil or Arteta or Ramsey or Cazorla, Wilshire, they never seem to be in the right position when they lose the ball. Yeah. How do you change that? You've got all week to change it on the training pitch. So I don't know. You just got text there. I did. Dave. It's this, a, it's even a though it's a podcast, we still like to be a little bit professional. It's a work-related text. Not related to this particular pod, though. Okay, you're going to keep it private. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, so that's a five past two kickoff. Uh, Chelsea against Arsenal, myself and Keith Andrews at that one. Also underway five past two across London at White Hart Lane. Spurs against Southampton. It was at this match last season when Southampton went 2-0 up. Maurizio Pochettino, Southampton and Tim Sherwood, Spurs came back to win 3-2. Both matches finished 3-2 to yeah. Spurs How last season. How much are you loving Southampton right now? Yeah, they're my second favorite team. I won't say who my favorite team are, but they're my second well, favorite team. It's they're they're great to watch. Ronald Koeman's an incredible job. We know how many players they lost during the summer. He seems to have bought well. Graziano Pella has just settled in incredibly well. His goal last weekend oh. was right out of the top drawer. We're going to save till next week when Adrian Barry returns from his holidays. <laughs> the montage of Adrian describing Graziano Pella as a donkey, and then just the goals flying in one after the one other. after the other. Nathaniel Klein has been called up to the England squad. And I think at Fraser Forster, they've got one of the best goalkeepers in the league. And they just look solid. They look confident. They look like they can score goals. Schneiderlin is behaving like an actual professional footballer. But also is to go to Tottenham. playing in, is taking on a, a lot, far more of an attacking role. He was very much seen as the holding guy. Mm. Perhaps because Wanyama was injured for most of last season. Whereas Wanyama's come in and Wanyama's sitting and letting Schneiderlin get forward and let him get a couple of goals. But by and large, they've improved. They let Luke Shaw go, who's a loss. But Ryan Bertrand, who they've managed to get in yeah, on loan really from Chelsea, is a very solid yeah. left back. Got a great goal as well last weekend. Pele is scoring goals. They've Jay Rodriguez to come back at some stage as well. Yeah, we're all he should be on the bench this weekend. Shane Long is there, and we know what he's yeah. capable of. Maybe not goal scoring wise, but he brings an awful lot to the team. James Ward Prowse is another year older. Yeah. Stephen Davis is having a really good season, and the main man, Tadic. Yeah, who was just a joy to watch and has been from the opening game when uh, Southampton went to Anfield and he was by far and away the most influential player on the pitch always wants to get on the ball like Adam Lallana but it turns out better <laughs> yeah yeah. certainly in current form anyway and Tottenham were good against Arsenal last weekend like they were lucky not to win the game um, they would have been happy enough with a point yesterday against Besiktas obviously it wasn't going to be their starting yeah. 11 so it's not like the Europa League's going to take a huge amount out of them that never applies to Tottenham in my book because it's rare would you have more than 
three players that started on the Thursday night that are lining out on the Sunday. This is a fascinating game. Yeah, it's uh, the problem Spurs have is they're strikers. Adebayor scored one goal, and I think that's the only goal to come from under strikers in the league so far. Soldado, there's no major sign of improvement. Chadley has been the star player contributing goal-wise at the start of the season. And yeah, this this is going to tell a lot about where both these sides go this season. If Southampton could go to Spurs and win, they're second at the moment. If they could keep up that level of consistency and improve on last season, which I don't think any of us thought was possible. Yeah, I wouldn't. Have, I would have thought Southampton were going to struggle. I didn't really rate Ronald Koeman as a manager. I mean, he'd done a very good job in in at Feyenoord in, 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 in Holland, but like he wasn't pulling up any trees. Feyenoord were never qualifying for the Champions League. It was always PSV and Ajax that you're looking at in that regard. But he's done a great job. I don't know if they can sustain it over the course of the season. But if you look at Tottenham's goal difference, they're in eighth position. Their goal difference is one. And that just underlines what you've just been saying about their lack of goals. Soldado just he doesn't seem to get a run in the Premier League. He only plays in Europe. I, there's no reason why Southampton can't go to this, into this game and win it. And if Arsenal can finally grow a pair <laughs> and take something at a big top four championship rival, suddenly Southampton could be heading into the international window a point off the top. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's quite incredible, really. And also, if Arsenal were to go and win, it tightens everything right up. And yeah. suddenly, if Liverpool win and if Spurs win and all these teams win, it's not as bad a start to the season as they thought. Uh, so that's Spurs against Southampton. The last game on Sunday at West Ham against QPR at the London Derby. Big Sam against Ari. Big Sam was a bit upset that he didn't get to share a glass of wine with Louis van Gaal. I suspect there might be a glass of wine shared after West Ham against Queen's Park Rangers, no matter what the result. A couple of lads cut from... The, the exact same cloth um, West Ham going pretty well beat Liverpool very unfortunate not to take something at Old Trafford last weekend I am one of the people who have a lot of time for Sam Allardyce I think he's a great manager this podcast has been a long term supporter of Sam Allardyce why, why, why wouldn't it be he's got his detractors he's got his flaws he can be an arrogant so and so from time to time but what club has he been unsuccessful at True. The only job he was handed out of is the one Limerick. at Newcastle. Well, like <laughs> at Newcastle, no one is successful, and they got relegated after they sacked him. They wouldn't have been if he'd stayed. He kept Bolton in the league for years. He kept Blackburn in the league, and now he's keeping West Ham in the league. And he, his team are playing with a little bit more flair, charisma they than they have been in previous very seasons. Very well. Like, did you know any of these guys before? Well, I'd seen Enner Valencia. Okay, at the World the, Cup. Everyone's seen him at the World Cup, but um, Sacco. Never heard no. of him. He's brilliant. League de player of the season. <laughs> he did well. Like he wasn't even playing in the French top flight. Um, I'm really impressed with him. Uh, Kaidu is gone now for six weeks. He's a big loss. He was incredibly good again in the win over Liverpool. Um, Mark Noble is playing well. They've replaced Kevin Nolan pretty well. He's barely played. Came off the bench last weekend, and they look reasonably solid at the back. Tompkins is having a really good season. Adrian, you don't really know what you're going to throw in, but he always brings off two top class saves in every game. Yeah. And I just think they're a better team to watch than I ever could have imagined against a QPR team that... Shambles. Oh, just a joke. It's still just a matter of time before Harry goes, uh, before Tony Fernandez eventually decides. So that's uh, the last game on Sunday. We'll keep you up to date with that as well on Off the Ball. Uh, tomorrow, there's no early game, but uh, we'll be keeping a very close eye on all the three o'clock kickoffs. The main one, Liverpool against West Brom. And <laughs> every time you think it can't really get much worse for Liverpool... They go and produce another completely just insipid performance. Basel on Tuesday night, Wednesday night, was possibly yeah, the night. lowest so far. And Brendan Rodgers, is, is, he's kind of taking the Tom Watson approach 
at the moment, which is blame the players. They're not delivering the goods. He's already uh, turned on Mario Balotelli to a certain extent, saying he's got to do better, he's got to score more well, goals. The Balotelli stuff was factual. I mean, he does need to score goals. He does, but Mario Balotelli is never going to score you that many goals playing up front by himself. They, they Every time he gets the ball, his back is to goal. The comment I found most bizarre after the game was that the red shirt of Liverpool is weighing heavily on the shoulders of my players. It didn't seem to weigh heavily on any of them last season when they were hammering teams. They won, was it nine in a row they won? Or 11? No, they won 11, 11 in a row. 11 in a row. No one seemed to be struggling with the, 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 the weight of the cup and the club and the history of the club last season. Why is it suddenly manifesting itself now? Well, he's obviously talking about the players he's bought in, the guys from Southampton who... It's, I don't want to say it's easy to play for Southampton, but people don't take a lot of notice of, of you. You don't have to perform every single week for Southampton. You can lose a game and people forget about it. Everyone looks back at Southampton last year and says, oh, they had an unbelievable season, without yeah. going in-depth into their results. The player who I feel quite sorry for is Ricky Lambert, because this is going to be... It's hard to see how this is going to be a success for him. For the last four years of Southampton, he was, for the first three, he was their top scorer. Last year, Jay Rodriguez, I think, beat him by a goal. But he played... 35 times a season. And it got him into the England team. Yeah. And he scored goals when he played for England. He won't play for England again. No. He will not start a game for Liverpool in the Premier League this season. He's basically the man on a rescue mission. Right, well, we're 1-0 down or we're 0-0 or we're 1-0. There's 10 minutes left. Go on, Ricky, you big lumbering yoke. Yeah. Go up there and get a goal for us. There's far more to his game than Liverpool are bringing out at the moment. He did it against Southampton. He came off the bench and he, he created the goal for Liverpool to win it. But... As you say, he was never... Anytime I saw Southampton last season, he was never this kind of obvious big number yeah, nine. He played he out on the wing. He started wide an awful lot of the time and brought the ball in. There's a complete lack of speed of thought. The pretty, the same thing that was really afflicting United last season and in the first couple of games this season that we talked about earlier having been transformed. There's no speed of thought in Liverpool's attacking play. If Raheem Sterling doesn't produce something, it's simply not going to happen. And that's easy to defend against because you know... Just stick two men on Sterling. Just don't give him any space. Don't let him in behind at all. And by and large, you're going to get away with it against Liverpool. And this is this is a big game for Liverpool now. It's very early in the season. But they need to find a way at home of breaking down a side like West Brom, who don't have a huge amount about them at all. Well, you say that. I, I do. I, and I, believe game. I was at the Hawthorns last Sunday and I watched them beat Burnley 4-0. Now it's Burnley. But it was a Burnley team that hadn't conceded a goal for three consecutive Premier League games. So quite obviously they were organised and they have something about them defensively. And two set-piece goals kill Burnley, but West Brom tore them apart after that. The midfield trio of Chris Brunt, Graham Dorans and James Morrison were absolutely excellent. Kept the ball brilliantly. And up front, Saito Berahino was just full of confidence. He's going to be really pissed off he hasn't made the English yeah. squad really annoyed because there's no sturridge and he's been sent into the t- under, to the under 21s instead he took his goals really well last weekend and Liverpool are incapable of keeping a clean sheet at the moment and I think West Brom will score on Saturday I do I just don't know whether they'll score often enough to win the game but if they can remain solid at the back and really frustrate Liverpool it could be a really awkward afternoon for them because they, look at some of the guys in the Liverpool team like Markovic for example I don't know what he's up to. Manquillo, don't like him. Don't like Moreno. You don't like Moreno? And I just don't think he's... Is he an improvement on Jose Enrique? I think he's probably a, a definite improvement on Enrique. It is still very early stages. This was always going to be a problem for Liverpool, though. Bringing a lot of new players into the Spending team. Spending the Suarez money. 
I don't think, and I think Richie Sadler mentioned on Wednesday night, the players who were there before will look around the changing room and think, well, how did we spend the Suarez money? Not very well. And there is still the problem with Stephen Gerrard. You just think of the way, say, Frank Lampard's been handled at Chelsea over the last couple of seasons, the way the the way he fits into the Manchester City squad. He was eased out at Chelsea. He was never, for the last few years, he wasn't the main guy that they relied upon. Yet still, Stephen Gerrard, 34, is expected to play pretty much every yeah. single game. He's not playing well. And it's it'll be interesting to see the dynamic between Rodgers and Gerrard. If Rodgers keeps maybe making subtle little digs at his players... If eventually he goes for Gerard, because the second that happens, all bets are off, because Gerard holds so much sway within the club. And Gerard talking about how soft they were during the week as well. Then you would rarely hear that. The record against West West Brom is awful. They've won one of their last five league games against them, and the first time that Brendan Rodgers played West Brom as Liverpool manager, got a hiding at the Hawthorns. That was three 0 on the opening day of the season. So it's pretty bad memories when it comes to West Brom as well. I'm not talking about West Brom as some kind of you know <laughs> European place team. Yeah, but I I. I'm only going at what I saw most recently and obviously that really affects the way you look at things and they were really impressive last weekend. And they do have a point more than Liverpool. (laughs) There you go and I think if they play well tomorrow they could really frustrate Liverpool. I'd still expect Liverpool to win the game but it's going to be a struggle for them. Uh, We'll fly through the other three o'clock kickoffs: Hull against Crystal Palace. Hull who keep expecting lots out of but they've only won one game in the league since uh, the FA Cup final. Uh, They're just two points outside the relegation zone. Palace doing better maybe than some might have expected under Neil Warnock another game I suspect a glass of nice glass of wine might be shared afterwards yeah. I like both of these teams I think Warnock's done a really good job so far they were very good last weekend in beating a Leicester team that were just you would expect to be flying into yeah. the game after what they did against Manchester United and Hull are reasonably solid they've scored in every game this season which is something that not every team can, can say as you say they've only won once but probably would go for a draw in this game but I think it'll be a score draw I think whoever goes to the KC Stadium to watch this game will get their money's worth uh, Leicester against Burnley two of the promoted sides Leicester the most impressive of the promoted sides Burnley just cannot buy a goal at the moment and the manner of that defeat to West Brom it's they, they haven't spent a lot of money they don't want to spend money they don't want to bankrupt the club it's very admirable but they're going to be relegated they are going to be relegated and they are in in really bad spot. The games that they would have played in three games of succession against teams that would be in and around them relegation-wise, Crystal Palace, West Brom and now Leicester. They only took a point at Palace, should have won the game, missed a penalty. They were hammered last weekend and you would expect them to be solid defensively when it comes to set pieces. Goals number one and two for West Brom were from corner kicks and that killed them. They couldn't get back into the game after that. The only way Burnley are going to win games is to win 1-0 and Leicester... You would think we'll be bent, look to bounce back from what happened at Salaris Park. A Joe is at home, full of confidence at home. The last time they played at the King Power, they put five past United. It's hard to see Burnley taking anything from this game. Uh, Sunderland against Stoke, two teams who like to get stuck in. <laughs> what a cliche! Yeah, well, I think they've been was it four players sent off in the last five meetings between these two sides. That's why I said it, Dave. It's a cliche because it's true. Aren't all cliches said be just because they're true? Uh, Sunderland for what seems like a reasonable start it's it's not it, it could go south very very quickly at home against Stoke is a game they need to win they have bought a lot of players I think seems to be the problem again that perhaps Poya just doesn't know his preferred first 11 so far that match I saw them against Manchester United they just lacked a bit of confidence to go and score the goals and that might be the problem for them again if Stephen Fletcher doesn't score the goals yeah Who's going to score the goals? They've drawn five of their six games. So they're clearly difficult to beat. 
but they're taking on a Stoke team they seem better better away from home than at home this season for some incredible reason because they won once away from home last season yeah. Stoke um, they've obviously gone to the Etihad and beat Man City that's the standout result for them this season only three teams in the Premier League have scored less goals than these two I wouldn't be picking this one out as, as game of the day you're covering this one tomorrow <laughs> uh, Swansea against Newcastle Swansea after their brilliant start it stuttered somewhat perhaps expectedly enough Newcastle though all eyes will be on Alan Pardew again he has managed to survive for another weekend and he might continue to survive no matter what happens against Swansea I'm always getting tired of the Pardew situation I mean they were really poor against Stoke they were lucky not to get a point out of a callback should have scored in in the last five minutes but Swansea have um, won their last four games against Newcastle Newcastle haven't won a game this season what more can you say? I'm not sure what else we can say. We've talked about Newcastle to death for the last three weeks. They haven't won any of those games. Got a stay of execution, you would have thought, after the late two goals from Cissé against Hull. But yet they go out against Stoke and they're beaten. If they can't get anything at Stoke, they can't beat Hull, probably won't beat Swansea. Is it only a matter of time? It has to be. It's going to maybe longer than you would expect at any other club, but surely he will be sacked at some stage. Usually at this stage of a saga like this, and you've got an unpopular owner like Mike Ashley, you start to feel a lot of sympathy towards the manager. You start to think, oh, it's just not on the way he's been treated. But with Alan Pardew, you don't really get that sense at all that anyone thinks he's been that hard, harshly treated. I think he's been the best Newcastle manager for the last 15 years. Maybe even going all the way back to Kevin Keegan. Because he's kept them in, in a decent position in the league. He had them dreaming two years ago or three years ago in 2011. When they I'll were, just make the Bobby Robson point again. Well, yes. you do. That's the second time in a, uh, well, a fortnight. It's the second time. Point. Second time you've made that statement. That okay, Bobby Robson aside. I keep forgetting about Bobby Robson. God, rest his soul. But aside from him, has there been any other manager that have been better than Pardew? Done the job that he's done in really tough circumstances. I know Bobby Robson had a difficult owner to deal with as well at the time. But now the results are just so bad. It doesn't really matter who the owner is. They're just, they're treading water and they're sinking. They're sinking. The good news is that uh, Angel Rangel is suspended. So Jazz Richards. Jazz Richards. Jazz Richards could well come in for Swansea. (laughs) What a name. Uh, The final game then that we'll uh, turn to, Aston Villa against Manchester City. Because of Villa's good start, they can get away with these matches now. They've lost their last, uh, last couple. But because they're comfortable. Christian Benteke might be back, though, after a six-month absence from his Achilles injury. At home against City, uh, they're still missing Ron, Ron Vlaar. City have been less than convincing. Yeah, they have. Yeah, yeah, Torre again the last night. He's just, well, he's, no he's just not affecting the game in any way. I, like they're given, they're given a dream start against Roma, that penalty, and pretty much second best for the rest of the night. Roma never looked like they were going to be in trouble. I don't know what to make of Manchester City at the moment. Like so many clubs in the league would kill for the players that they have. Pellegrini doesn't seem to be getting the best out of them. It's not like they're struggling with injuries. I mean, who's missing from that team? Yeah. Is it the signings they've made that no pressure is really being put on? Well, Aguero's fine. Aguero's always going to score goals and Dzeko's doing well. So their strikers are doing well. They won't concede many. But Torre, Silva, Nazri's injured, I know. But there's no real pressure on those three. There's some you know nice players behind them who are always going to be on the bench that perhaps yeah. they needed to spend 35, 40 million on an attacking midfielder so that they're not so sure of their place. Because Yaya Toure, he was rested for one match, but there's no sign he's ever going to be dropped, no matter how poorly he plays. Yeah. You're right. Well, there isn't really any competition for that place in, as regards Toure. I'm not sure. 
I don't seem to have a huge amount to say on Manchester City at the moment because they're really difficult to figure out. Are they going to kick into gear at some yeah, stage? Yeah, that's it. In in two months' time, three months' time, and they've won ten games in a row, we say, yeah, oh, exactly. that's Manchester City. And sure, we all expected this. How could they not play like this? Villa, obviously, are in the middle. This is the last game of a, just an awful run where they've had to play Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea and Man City. Started pretty well because they beat Liverpool in the first of those four games, but they've lost the two since then. And they're well capable of taking something from this game. Benteke back. What a boost. Uh, he probably isn't match fit, clearly isn't match fit. How much of the game he'll play tomorrow remains to be seen. But even just having him on the bench, yeah. like he was scintillating before he got injured. And that'll just bring, I think it'll bulk everybody's confidence up a little, even if he doesn't play a huge amount. So I think Villa can be pretty pleased with the situation they're in at the moment. And this is another free game. Just have a rattle at City and see what, see what happens for you. And City are under a bit of pressure, so they may not fancy this one. Anton else? Anton else no. has caught your eye? Not really. Looking forward to um, this weekend's games and look forward to going to Old Trafford and then looking forward to the International Week because I'm just a massive fan of the way UEFA have staggered yeah. the European Championship qualifiers. I'm going to get to watch football every night for a week. Yeah, it's it's kind of tough then because International Weeks used to be the kind of break at home. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, you watch whatever you want. It's fine. Whereas now it's like, oh, no, no, no. Uh, Poland are playing Gibraltar. Yeah, God, what, this, is, <laughs> this is vital. Oh, oh, Por- Portugal against Romania. Oh, Got to watch this. Ronaldo can do anything. It's great. And uh, you get to watch all the home countries. That, that The last international break, I watched all of the games involving Wales, England, Scotland and Ireland. Yeah, you Brilliant. do learn a lot more because quite often, as you say, when you go into the Euros of the World Cup, a lot of these European teams, you probably don't know as much about them as you should yeah. because on international nights, we're watching Ireland. We're covering Ireland for that entire week. Them. Whereas now, yeah, we do kind of get to see a little bit more, which is good. So uh, we won't be back next week with the podcast. Two weeks' time, though. Uh, back with the wait. Premier League podcast I'm excited Adrian will be here he'll have all his jingles and all that sort of stuff as well so it'll be a far schlicker production uh, until then uh, we'll talk to you good luck